The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hi there. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our show is brought to you in part by Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Services, Modern Mortgage Group, and Lori Zorn, insurance manager for Island Savings. If you need an opinion from experts in insurance and mortgages, you should really call Denise and Lori. They are great people, and they're awesome to chat with. Uh, to find their contact information, just visit the CFAX 1070 website and look under Shows. There you'll find us, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe, and there you'll find their contact information, or you can always find me online or on social media. If you are also looking for a second opinion on real estate, whether you're buying or selling a property, you're also welcome to call me. I am a 26-year local veteran and a top agent with Remax Camosun, Victoria's most productive real estate brokerage. What would you do if you encountered an environmental issue at your home or place of work? Today, my guests are Dave Rogers, president of BC Hazmat, along with John Espley, who is director of marketing and communications also for BC Hazmat. We're going to have a great conversation. Probably learn a whole bunch of things that you never thought about before. I know I will. It's one of the things I loved about doing this show was I get to learn as much as the listeners do as well. We always, however, start our show with weekly listener questions. If you have a question or you like to, or you have a curiosity about things relating to real estate, give us a call on our hotline. Our number is 250-414-6540. That's 250-414-6540. Or again, find us online at www.cfax1070.com and we'll discuss it on the air. I have a couple of questions. I had mentioned a couple of weeks ago that uh, we have had a a load of questions come in, trying to get through them as much as we can. Uh, I have two questions uh, that I've picked uh, today. Hopefully we'll be able to get through both of them. They're both emails. So I had an email from Brett, and his question was, with rising prices, haven't real estate commissions gone up? Uh, I've been waiting for that question, Brett, uh, and I understand where you're coming from. Prices are up right now. The average sale price for a single-family detached home in the region is about $900,000. That's uh, double of what it was maybe around uh, six or seven years ago. Uh, Prices are really up. I mean, I've mentioned before, the first house that I sold here in Greater Victoria in 1991 was $137,000. It was a lot of money at the time. Now, uh, good question, though, Brett, because, of course, something that we sold for $137,000, of course, real estate uh, brokerages, they calculate their payment, their fee, based on a percentage. So, of course, a percentage of $137,000 is very different from a percentage of $900,000. So, to answer your your question, yes, they have gone up commensurate with pricing of real estate. Now, there's a couple of things to consider. First of all, uh, wages and salaries also have gone up since 1991. The minimum wage itself is very different now than it was back then. I'm not trying to justify it. I'm just saying that things have gone up. The cost of everything has gone up over time. With real estate in particular, there is something that has come on board in the past 10 or 15 years, and that is the advent of technology. I mean, nowadays, we see online uh, promotion marketing. There's so much that uh, requires agents to respond quickly to consumers' requests. There's communications. Uh, When I started in 1991, we did not have text. We had pagers. 
Uh, cell phones were still novel at the time. We most definitely didn't have email. And right now, when I look at the hundreds of emails that I get every day, I can't remember what it was like back in 1991 when we didn't get that kind of communication. Dave's uh, bobbing his head right now because I think any business knows that. Nowadays, there's so much communication that uh, um, you know you literally have to hire people to uh, to oversee this. There are additional costs that did not exist way back then. The other thing that I want to touch on too here, Brett, is the fact that, um, so again, I said that real estate fees are based on a calculation. By the way, I want to set something straight. There is no set real estate fee. There is no government standard. There is uh, no established real estate fee. Every agent is welcome to have their own percentage based on what they have to offer as far as marketing uh, or experience is concerned. The reason, by the way, is that the Competitions Bureau, which is a federal agency, prevents us from fixing prices. So consequently, there's tons of different models that you can go with. There's um, minimal service models. There are um, there are uh, mere posting models. There's full service models as well. So consumers can have the gamut of whatever they want. There's many things that really just is based on what the agent has to offer. Now, uh, the reason why I'm bringing up the percentage is that for some reason, many of you won't know this, British Columbia, Alberta, pretty well Western Canada, uh, we generally calculate percentages based on a higher percentage in the first $100,000 and a smaller percentage on the balance. So to give an example, 6 or 7% on the first 100000 3 or 4% on the balance. Uh, why do we do that? We did that because this formula was created uh, back when properties were $100,000. Now, it's been a long time since they ever were. The reason why I'm bringing this up right now is because outside of Western Canada, the percentages are very different. You know, when you go to Eastern Canada, you go to the States, it's generally a flat fee. And by flat fee, it is common to see 6%, sometimes 5%. By the way, those numbers are higher than this graduated uh, system that I mentioned to you in Western Canada. Now, in Toronto, the prices are almost on par with Vancouver. Uh, they are more expensive than here, yet people are paying a higher fee. Again, I'm not justifying it. Uh, I do acknowledge the fact that anybody's fees, whether it's legal fees or accounting fees, real estate fees, is all market-driven. It's what uh, consumers are willing to pay. Um, so to answer your question, Brett, have fees gone up? Well, prices have gone up, and we do represent it as a percentage. Oh, by the way, because of this whole graduated percentage thing, if it's, if it's say, as an example, 6% on the first 100000 uh, and, you know, say 3% on the balance. So when you think about it, the further away we get from $100,000, the smaller the percentage actually is. And off the top of my head, I think if you're looking at a house that's $600,000, that works out to be something like 3.4%, which again is very different from uh, what you see in other areas. So Brett, uh, thanks for your question. Also had a question from Sarah in the time I have remaining here. Uh, Sarah says, we are in the process of interviewing agents to sell our property. Uh, what are the pros and cons between a national company and a local company? Um, it's a bit of a loaded question. Uh, I, of course, am uh, an agent with a franchise, a, a international company. Uh, so, uh, I, of course, I'm going to be seen to be biased uh, from what I'm going to say here right now. I actually did start off, my first two years were with a local Victoria 
brokerage, so I do have experience uh, on both sides. I have to say there are some great local firms in Victoria here that do a great and wonderful job. Uh, they've been around for a very long time. I think at the end of the day, Sarah, it really depends on uh, your selection of agent. You have to have the right chemistry with that person. You have to ha- uh, have the feel that that person has the experience and ability to get you through what is really a complicated process as far as um, selling your home. Uh, whether it's national or local, uh, you know, the biggest thing is how important is uh, international marketing to you? I mean, most of the national companies have um, uh, sizable marketing budgets that go well beyond not only just the province, but uh, sometimes outside of the country as well. Uh, so I, I suppose it kind of depends on the property. But like I said, there's a lot of great brokerages in town here that are locals, locally based. Um, we, by the way, we're all locally based. I mean, all of the agents in Greater Victoria are local agents, just that some of them happen to fly a banner that is uh, international in brand. So, you know, we're all still locally based people. We support local businesses. Uh, we all um, uh, work with a lot number of trades and companies uh, that help uh, help the world go around because, as they say, real estate in general is one of the biggest drivers in the province of British Columbia. Thanks to you all for your questions. If you, the listener, have a question that you like answered on our show, visit the cfax1070.com website or call our hotline at 250-414-6540. By the way, if you're a podcast listener, you can download us on either iTunes or Google Play. And, you know, we've had so many great guests, including ones that we were going to have here after our break, and we're always looking for more. So if you have a business or product or or something that is real estate related that you would like to perhaps have or, or come on our show and talk about, we'd be happy to have you. Just look me up. Uh, as many people have so far, and uh, we'll see what we can do. Anyways, we'll take a quick little break here. When we come back, we'll be talking about Hazmat. Back in just a moment. You're listening to The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Hazardous materials are something that quite often we take for granted. We don't think about this in our homes or in our place of work, uh, but they are things that are obviously um, concerning to our health. And today in, in our honor show, we have with us a couple of guests from BC Hazmat. But first, we're going to start off with the Director of Marketing and Communications, John Espley. John, thanks for coming. Thanks, Tony. Good to be here. John, known you for a while, known you uh, when you were wearing another hat. Uh, you've moved uh, to uh, to this position here at BC Hazmat. Uh, saw you at a conference uh, um, a few weeks back, and, and you were promoting this. Uh, tell us about BC Hazmat. Um, for, for our listeners who don't know what the company is. Well, BC Hazmat, first thing is we're not government. We're actually a private company. Dave Rogers, you'll hear from in a minute, is the president. Uh, we're well known with our, our trucks with the red lights and the flames on them as emergency responders. Uh, I know you stole my parking spot. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, you know, with the, with the lights and siren, yeah. we can get away with stuff. All but, right. Uh, but actually what a lot of people don't know is we're, we're more about the prevention, the safety training, and what we're going to talk about today, uh, hazmat or asbestos uh, surveys, things like that. So that's actually a large part of our business. The emergency response is sort of the last result. When you see us for that, that's a bad thing. So yes. if we can help pre- prevent those sort of responses, that's really what we're trying to promote. Uh, so give us some examples of, of things that you would be responding to. 
Oh, actually, I'm going to let Dave, since he's got so many years' experience there. Okay. Dave, what are some... Okay, Dave Rogers, who's the president. Tell us about things that um, that that you would be responding to. We've, um, we'll respond to almost any type of chemical spill. Yeah. Uh, we do not do asbestos removal, but uh, if a wall falls down and it does contain or could contain asbestos, that's something we will do. Mm -hmm. uh, many of your uh, listeners will remember the Columbia Fuels uh, rollover on the oh, Mallet. Oh, yes. Uh, our teams were there 18 hours, dressed, uh, suited up. Um, the recent 1,000 liters into the gorge of uh, furnace oil, again, 1,000 liters of uh, sodium hydroxide dumped by a person in the V Royal. Um, we respond to a lot of different types of spills. It's just amazing. The, um, John, this is a very different line of work from, from where you came from before. Indeed. Yeah. And the other thing, so the website, which is bchazmat.com. .com. I was on it yesterday, and, and I was doing a little bit of research as well. The other thing that I saw was really interesting is um, uh, uh, trailers and units uh, that you guys can outfit for, um, for uh, situations. Well, again, because we're, we're specialists in, in the safety side of things, we do build custom trailers for, uh, well, certainly for a lot of the mine and oil, but what a lot of people don't do is for construction as well. Oh. A lot of construction sites should have appropriate uh, spill equipment handy because so many pieces of equipment uh, were constantly, one of the things Dave didn't mention was hydraulic spills. I, I was on one just the other day myself helping clean up where oil had spilt from uh, hydraulic lines of, of lift trucks and backhoes and excavators. And so there are so many kinds of what we call spills um, from all these pieces of equipment. So yeah, we not only attend to those, we build uh, and custom trailers to have that equipment on hand and then train the people how to use that equipment so they can mitigate the damage. Mm -hmm. So when you're doing training, like who are the people that are, um, that are, that are, that are looking for this training, this education? Uh, Site managers? Uh, well, or uh, all sorts. Construction workers themselves, the, the site leads. Um, we train a lot of people in offices as well because there's a lot of uh, lab or chemical or manufacturing going on in Victoria. People don't realize how much is going on. Oh, sure. Yeah. We yeah. even get the occasional uh, homeowner that's interested in the asbestos training we offer. So, yeah. uh, of course, all the remediation workers, uh, building inspectors, it just the list goes on and on for the safety training we provide. Uh, moving over to Dave for, for a second here. Uh, this is, I mean, none of this is new, right? Uh, I, I'm sure that the, I'm sure that there are uh, rules and there are um, restrictions in place now that w weren't in existence years ago. I mean, when people spilled something, um, spilling oil in your driveway or something, I'm sure most of the time people just say, oh, whatever, not a big deal. We used to, I, I tell the story in, in the classroom of my, of my mother going around the block collecting a nickel from every house, then going down to City Hall to pay for the oil truck to come and oil the back driveway, back lane of the, of the property. What? To keep the dust down. And if you paid a penny more, so six cents, right, instead of five, you got PCB-laced oil because that was even better <laughs> oh my to keep the dust down. I have never heard this before. Oh, this, I grew up in Vancouver at 17th and uh, Camby, and there was a back alley between uh, us and the neighbors. And they would oil? We would oil the, um, oil the uh, lane uh, every two years okay. just to keep the dust down so that the laundry uh, wouldn't get dirty. 
Wow. That was a very common practice, uh, along with uh, draining your oil in your own driveway and uh, and uh, just pouring it at my father made a tin can with nail holes in the bottom so he could do that in the driveway in the house. Wow. And so those were the practices that were common. It wasn't that we were trying to get rid of the oil illegally. It's what Nobody we did, knew, right? right? I worked in a gas station in Vancouver and and I came into work one day and the boss was extremely upset. He thought somebody was stealing gasoline because the dip tank, the dip in the tank didn't match the pumps. Well, I came in a couple of days later, he's happy. He says, it turns out the gas tank has got a leak in it. He was happy. So we, yes, because yes. So we pumped the gas from one tank. <laughs> he was happy tank. that somebody wasn't stealing. Yeah. yeah. So we pumped it from one tank to the other. You know what we did with that tank? That's where we started dumping our oil because it would leak back into the ground. Oh, my. So it was just a standard practice that we did. Yeah. And and it didn't matter whether it was a Canadian military or, or Joe homeowner. Yeah. It, this, is the, this is what we did. And we've become, of course, so much more environmentally conscious that – we can't do that. Yeah, okay, we hear the thing that oil comes from the ground, it goes to the ground. Well, well, but it's been processed it's now, has It's got a it? lot more to it than, than yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's just a practice we can't do. Yeah. Unfortunately, what we're seeing is that there's still a lot of people that are still doing that. And they'll either cover it up or hope it won't get found. They, um, the almost 1,000 liters of sodium hydroxide in, uh, into the gorge last year um, the gentleman was trying to cover it up. Because, you know, what was he using that for? Um, cleaning, wasn't it? Yeah, cleaning as, as a, a friendly cleaner, an environmentally <laughs> friendly cleaner. Yeah. And um, and once he found out what it was going to cost him to get rid of it, yeah. he just thought pouring it down the storm drain. But a thousand liters, that's a lot of stuff. It was uh, four 205-liter pails, so just uh, drums, just under a thousand liters. Okay. Tony, there's another side of this, too, in, in Dave uh, telling the stories of when he was little. Um, one of the things we teach in a lot of the, the courses is about products that you'll, you'll find in your house. You know, uh, granddad has, has passed along or moved on to a, to a nice home, you know, Broadmead Care or something like that. And you're cleaning out the old shed or cleaning out the basement. And quite often people will find unmarked tins of things and chemicals. We responded uh, a few months ago. There was two um, re junk removal fellows that got overcome by what happened to be the chemical used for tear gas. What? In an unmarked coffee can. They opened it up. It overcame them. Oh uh, Dave tells the story of Sorry. finding cans of DDT because that used to be legal to buy yeah. as a pesticide, right? Yeah. Just what you want your, your kids, you know, playing in the basement and finding that. So... Anything like that, number one, always mark stuff because yeah. granddads never used to do that. Mm -hmm. And number two, if it's if you don't know what it is, you might want to call in someone like us to properly remove it because it can really cause you some, some You know, this has got me thinking that it, most definitely we are in a different time now because I had the same story. I, I clean up mom and dad's house, and there were tins of things that, you know, they were in the house since 1958, right? And uh, – sorry, 1962. And, you know, I uh, – <laughs> Things were different back then. Yeah, yeah uh, you know, cleaning things with gasoline or whatever. Uh, we do things different now. You also have to remember that this is a military town. Yes. And uh, back in the day, a lot of stuff would leave the military base and be brought home. And um, so finding uh, military, old military chemicals or piping 
Um, we, unfortunately, because of a major spill, demolished the house at Saanich. The house was built in 1946, and we found a lot, uh, including the underground uh, tank that nobody knew about, uh, was uh, Canadian military grade. My goodness. Well, listen, uh, we got to take a quick little break here. We're, we're going somewhere I had no idea about before, talking about history and how things have changed uh, with hazardous materials. This is The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our show is brought to you in part by Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Services Modern Mortgage Group, and Lori Zorn, insurance manager for Island Savings. We have here, we're having a laugh during the break. Uh, we have our guest, um, Dave Rogers, who's the president, uh, and John Espley, the director of marketing and communications, both from BC Hazmat. We're talking about uh, uh, site cleanups and uh, some of the things that we as human beings used to do uh, years ago. Uh, before we stopped for the break, you were talking about a house that had to be demolished and how um, things came from the military base. Uh, so demolishing a house, how often does that happen based on uh, environmental concern? In 23 years, I've only demolished one house. Had to be pretty um, bad. It was. It was just where and how the oil uh, uh, released, and uh, it was uh, one of the most extensive ones that we've ever done. It was just circumstance to the house. All right, so you've got these materials. They fall into the ground. I think some people, maybe in a different time, a different generation, would have said, whatever, it's in the ground. Just like you said, you know, oil came from the ground, you know, whatever. Tell the listeners what the concern is about having these things in the ground. Well, the problem is that they're going to leach um, and get into our water systems. And once it gets into the water systems, of course, it gets into our, uh, our drinking water and into our rivers and streams. Um, a lot of that immediately won't affect us, but long-term is certainly going to tackle our children and our grandchildren. Um, the uh, contaminants getting into the water system, of course, are going to affect the fish, the whales, all of that. And, of course... We live in a coastal town. We do, and everything ends up in the... Uh, if it gets into the groundwater or gets into the stormwater, it will end up in the ocean. And uh, that becomes a major concern for us. Yeah. So... Um, you know, we need to uh, we need to, to teach and preach yeah. um, the environmental responsibility that's uh, that's that's needed to make that change. You know, you're talking about getting into the drinking water. I, just, I was just thinking in the back of my mind here about Flint, Michigan, and and a reminder about we take for granted the fact that we have water that is drinkable and is clean and safe. Yes. And um, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it probably wouldn't take much for that to change? Well, we have to give the CRD a lot of credit. They're uh, really protection of our, uh, really protectorate, sorry, of our uh, water systems. Yeah. Um, but it would not take much to, uh, to change it, and we would end up with a uh, boiled water advisory or, you know, bottled water. If, if I can give you an example, Tony, and if anyone wants to look, we have some uh, Facebook and LinkedIn that we, we work on. One of, the, one of the things I posted recently is we're really worried, of course, about ocean-based spills, especially with the pipeline talks and such, mm -hmm. and the, the recent barge that sank and roughly 120 to possibly 200 liters of fuel spilt into the inlet. Bad, no question. But what people keep forgetting is there's spills on land all the time. 
the same time as that spill was happening, there was a thousand gallons of oil in the southern U.S. that leaked, flowed right into their river. Thousand gallons. And that's just one of many. If people stopped and thought about how many chemicals and oil, all these things flowing into the storm drain every day, it honestly makes an oil tanker look small. Not that we we still need to protect against that, but we also need to look at what's happening on land. Yeah. In people's houses day to day, right? Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Well, you also get you get these contaminants in the ground, and uh, as as particularly in this area, we try to be a little more green and grow some of our own vegetables. And and if those contaminants are left in the ground, they are going to contaminate the food that we're uh, we're eating. And um, that is going to create long-term health effects. When we look at um, John mentioned about uh, the oil tankers, our job is not uh, on water spills. Our job is uh, shoreline protection and land-based spills, but there's still so many. Uh, I drive by a, a motor vehicle accident, and I see of course. kitty litter everywhere. Yeah. Well, really, that's a spill on top of a spill. Hmm. The definition of a spill is a deleterious substance, which shouldn't be there. Yeah. So all of a sudden, there's a spill of oil. The municipality or somebody comes along, drops a whole bunch of kitty litter, and walk, drives away. Um, they've just contaminated more because the, the cars are going to drive through it. People's pets are going to drive through it. The pets going to walk through it. Yeah. The pet's going to come home, jump up on the bed, and start to lick its paws. The next thing you know, the dogs or the cat is sick. Yeah. And those are the kind of practices that we have to stop. But John mentioned about um, 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 stuff, and, and you mentioned as well about uh, uh, your family and cleaning up after. Yeah. With, with, with ancient tins, <laughs> yeah. and, and yeah. of course, we know that tins aren't necessarily the best thing to carry these things in, right? right. Yeah. We've, um, you'd be amazed what we have found. We have a portable lab that we use, and we bring with us for those kind of inspections, but you'd be amazed what we have found in the basements of houses um, with, with a for sale sign on them, yeah. and the chemicals are still left behind. Yeah. Um, anything from radioactive to explosive to... Uh, baby oil, uh, that was one called it. We we uh, had a lot of fun. Oh, I got to hear about that. We have uh, with us right now Dave Rogers and John Espley, both from BC Hazmat. Tell us about baby oil. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we uh, we ended up with a sort of a room full of chemicals that uh, that uh, we had to identify that came from a demolition site, and um, so here we are in level A with SCBA on the back and. Everybody's, That's the breathing apparatus uh, for those who don't know. Okay, all right. And and we're just that well protected, and the very first chemical that we had to analyze came up as baby oil. I've got to tell you, it got worse after that, but that was certainly started started our day. Yeah. But if, if I could tell you the best one, uh, we were in Vic West, again, a house for sale, um, and uh, it had been part of a hoarder uh, incident. Mm-hmm. And um, we cleared the main floor, went down to the basement, and we found a photo lab that had not been used in close to 50 years. So the chemicals, very, very nasty chemicals yes. in there. And we're using our portable lab and, uh, and checking them one by one to make sure that we're not going to cause a problem for us. And in the very back corner were two one-gallon jugs, still with the liquor control board stamp on it, yeah. which haven't been around since the 60s. Okay. One was a, f- a gallon jug of port, 
and one was a gallon jug never opened of sherry. All right. And unfortunately, because we knew where it came from, none of us were willing to open it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so well aged doesn't necessarily mean good yes, in that yes. respect. Um, yeah, the photographic chemicals, because I, I, I was a high school photographer, so I remember the fixer and the like all of those. That's, that's harsh stuff, right? Yep. And it went down the sink. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's all we did back in my high school. Yeah. And, uh, but we're finding when we go out now and do housing inspections, we're not just looking for the obvious that WorkSafe requires for a house inspection. We're looking in the nooks and crannies, trying to find those articles that may be stashed uh, from, especially on a house for sale or a house purchase mm -hmm. that may have been stashed away. Um, we've found things in walls. We found two uh, handguns in a wall. Wow. Um, so the the likelihood in a, uh, I mean, a brand new house is going to be a brand new house, but something from the anywhere from the 40s to the 90s quite likely is going to have some kind of contaminants in it that need to be identified so that if something's going to get disturbed, you're going to, you know, put a mirror in instead of a wall or, or put a, make a door bigger. Uh, these are the kind of things that uh, the inspection will, will find and, uh, and will protect them. Yeah, so what you're referring to is, for instance, uh, asbestos fibers in uh, construction materials and disturbing these and getting them airborne, right? Right, and or, and or lead. Um, lead. Lead paint. Yeah. Um, uh, the old, um, especially, again, being a military town, lots of people brought paint home from the base. Yeah. And if it was lead-based paint from old, the old ships, uh, it can be pretty nasty stuff. Well, I, I did some community work. Uh, uh, I was on a committee for some time, and you know, I won't mention where, but I mean, it was in a hospital setting, right? And uh, the it was an older building. There were signs saying "lead-based paint, don't touch the walls." Yep. Yeah, and and this is in a this is in a hospital setting, right? Well, I'm, what I've been enlightened to in my my time now is also the PCBs and fluorescent lights. You know, how many fluorescent lights are in, in houses when they upgrade? There's PCBs in those. There's the mercury in the old thermostats. Well, wow. Hey, John, that. hold that thought because we got to take a break. But I want I'm, we're going to talk about that. Uh, here talking about hazardous materials with John Espley and Dave Rogers. Back in just a moment. You're listening to The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. We are talking about hazardous materials, the things that you find around your home, your place of work, or elsewhere, including uh, oiling the back alleyways to reduce dust, or so says Dave Rogers, who is the president of BC Hazmat, along with John Espley here, director of marketing and communications. I still can't believe that. People oiled the, the, uh, the back alleyways. That's amazing. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners who are listening to the show identify with that and remember that. It was it was great. Or like I say, for Penny Moore, you got PCB oil. Good oh, stuff. great! Talking about P so let's talk about PCB. What what is that? I'll let Dave explain. PCB oil is just regular oil treated with a, uh, with additional chemicals, and really, we used to wash our hands with PCB oil when, before we worked on heavy machinery. Yep. So we would wash our hands with in PCB oil, and that would keep the grease from embedding in our hands. We'd just use soap and water and take everything off. Oh. And the reality is of PCB oil is that um, washing your hands really won't do too much to you. The problem is that if it uh, off gases and you inhale it, uh, then it becomes a serious medical issue. Yeah. 
Uh, it's also that much more dangerous, of course, if it catches fire. Uh, it can become quite explosive. Yeah, these things that we never thought about before. I mean, it, it comes up where people say, well, okay, there's asbestos in this house. Why is there asbestos? You know I mean? It's such a bad thing. Well, it was okay back then. In fact, it was a miracle substance at some point in time, right? Yeah, I worked back in the in some home construction or, or, or reconstruction more um, back in uh, the uh, late 70s, early 80s. And uh, Hydro, whether it was BC Hydro or whichever it was in those days, had an insulation program out, and they would come along and go into your house and drill two-inch holes in the studs in the walls and pour zone light insulation Yes. In and then patch the two-inch holes up. Well, of course, that zone light was, as we now know, mined from, yeah. mine from asbestos. Yes. And where it was a fantastic insulator uh, and a great fire-resistant product, yep. uh, the health effects from it are, are huge. Yeah. You talk about just different things to find in a wall. We also opened up a wall once. Do you realize they used to use firecrackers for, uh, for uh, fire alarms? What? They would put, you know, <laughs> a firebreak across a two-by-four? Okay. Right? And then they place a, a handmade uh, firecracker on top. So if the fire made it up that far, firecracker would wake everybody oh. up in the bedroom. Oh, all these things. you got to write a book, Dave. I'm <laughs> loving that. Well, I don't love the idea, but, I mean, oh, my goodness. Um, John, before the break, you were talking about the things we find around a house, like fluorescent uh, and fluorescent lights. Yeah, I've learned, of course, that there's PCB uh, oil in that, and yeah. it's... It, it's fine when it's uh, when everything's working fine, but if it gets overheated and starts producing a gas, as Dave told you, now all of a sudden that's a health hazard. Yeah. Or the old things you remember, the thermostats, they had mercury in them, yeah. right? Well, if that gets broken and leaks out, the vapors from mercury are are a health hazard, and your your dog, your children. So all those little things that we thought were fine yeah. all pose. So it's basically, the fact is, old houses are dangerous. Right? <laughs> Almost all houses, yeah. not just old houses. Oh, okay. Uh, we still have building products made today that contain asbestos. Uh. Even though there's supposed to be a ban in 2018, there are still some riffing materials that are still coming into the country that uh, do contain, still contain a percentage of asbestos in them. So just because you have a house dated 1979 or, or older, or 99 or older, uh, all of them could contain, still have asbestos in it. Yeah, because and, there's that general thought that uh, anything built after 1990 is relatively safe. But I hear what you're saying. I mean, who knows what they're putting in certain things, right? But also, anything built 1990, that's that's sort of the date. Yeah. But what happens if the lumberyard you were using had a large stockpile, right, and still sold whatever, uh, uh, jiprock mud, mm -hmm. for the next two or three years afterwards? Mm-hmm. So there's no assurances that the 1990 uh, date is good. You know, five Canadians a day are now diagnosed with asbestos-related diseases. Mm -hmm. It's five every day. And every five days we're losing someone in British Columbia related to uh, an asbestos uh, injury yeah. and, and contamination. Those are really high numbers. Yeah. And uh, they're growing. They're not going down. Yeah, and this is the reason why it's a big deal. If somebody's doing a renovation of an older house, it's not just simply a matter of taking a sledgehammer to the walls. There is the importance of making sure that um, the, envi the environment is safe, right? The working environment. Not only the working environment, but for whoever's going to live in the house afterwards. Yeah. Because once it's much easier to protect and get rid of the asbestos in, in a uh, protected 
environment than it is to try and capture it after the fact. Yeah. And this uh, is the reason why you have to seal up areas yep. when you're working on it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And these are the things you guys do, right? Yep. And the signs, signage, and and uh, all the education and training that goes with it. Yeah. What what homeowners maybe don't know is that they could become responsible if they hire a contractor who is not WorkSafe BC covered. The homeowner may, and we've seen this happen, be, be deemed to be the employer. Yeah. And then any of the uh, fines, etc., would come right back to the homeowner. Yeah. Always a good point. Making sure that you're that uh, that the uh, trade that you're working with has coverage. Yes. Right. Yeah. And they can do that. Uh, it's easy enough to do. You just go to the uh, WorkSafe BC website and uh, search for clearance letter. And if they will produce a clearance letter, then your uh, contractor is covered and insured, and uh, you can be assured of a, uh, of a hopefully a trouble-free job. Great. And don't think it's just your drywall or something where asbestos can pop up. We've seen it pop up in plumbing, even buried outdoor plumbing before. So it can pop up anywhere. Linoleum, uh, oh. flooring, things like that. Yeah. Yes, you, you need to be diligent, uh, anything to do with this. If you're unsure, that's where you need to get a hazmat or asbestos survey done. That way you can be cleared. Yeah. Now, you guys also do ground penetrating radar too, right? Yes, we have that ability. Yeah. Um, we have the and, and for our listeners, this is for uh, to detect underground oil storage tanks because they were put in the ground years ago, right? And and some of the tanks um, we've seen fifty year old tanks uh, that uh, came out of military tanks oh, yeah. that were put in the ground again, yeah. and uh, they're still in good shape. Yeah. But um, the ground penetrating radar is not be all end all. It does not. If you've got a tank that's been um, uh, drained and filled with sand, ground penetrating radar will not find it. Yeah. Um, if especially if it's really rusty, because it uh, the ground penetrating radar goes by anomalies in the earth below it. Yes. So it's looking for openings. So um, a GPR scan is not the be all end all looking for underground oil tanks. Well, it's tough. It's not. An, it's not a. Uh it's it's a bit of a hit and miss because yep. there's, there's metal detection I guess as well right yes and in other ways but um, I mean the, the 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 underlying question again though is people put these in the ground back then and that was deemed to be okay they didn't like the unsightliness of having a oil storage tank above ground so they put it in the ground right but that further got uh, if you um, I've got oil in my house and the oil tank is on the off side of the house away from the driveway away from the pavement so um, if it starts to leak, it could be leaking for a long time before somebody's going to find it or smell it. Yeah. And that's the issues that we find with, uh, with the uh, above-ground oil tanks is that because they're put on the off or lee side of the house, um, people don't often look at them other than when they fill up with oil. Yeah. So um, we haven't had as many uh, outdoor oil tanks uh, we, this year. Uh, two years ago, we had a huge run of it. It seemed that it was almost a daily incident that there was another oil tank uh, uh, leaking. And unfortunately, uh, some of them weren't that old. Um, some were only upwards of five years old, but they were uh, malfunctioning uh, tank. Yeah, all it takes is a leak, yep. right? Like a, a seam, like an improper weld in a seam or something, yep. and, and there you go, right? The first yep. emergency call I got from Dave at midnight on a Saturday night was we got called out to an outdoor oil tank that had sprung a leak, and now the whole neighborhood was smelling diesel yeah. or smelt like diesel. Yeah, amazing. 
Uh, something else I noticed on your on your site, and you mentioned it actually a, a moment ago, uh, Dave, is hoarder, hoarding uh, uh, <laughs> the hoarder cleanups. Yes. Sorry. So, uh, and you've got a photo of one on the website as well, too. I have encountered these because in my day-to-day business as a real estate agent, we have bumped into situations where, um, uh, actually for us, it, it's difficult to see the house because there's so much stuff in it, but there's clearly an environmental concern as well, too. You can't see what's in there. Um, you don't know what's going on. Um, you've probably seen some really... Some... You don't want them to describe oh, Okay. It. Uh, okay, I will say on air, like we had a lady a number of years ago who had three dead cats in the house, yep. and they had been there for some time. So uh, these are things that exist out there. Yes, and it's unfortunate. Of course, it's a, uh, it's a uh, mental issue, as, yes. as we know. Uh, a huge, huge fire risk um, that uh, is there. And, of course, the environmental damage that they're doing both to uh, the property and to themselves if they are still in the in the premises. Mm-hmm. Um, we were called out to uh, to one. I hope your readers aren't having lunch right now. Uh, but both the lady and her dog had incontinence problems. Yeah. And as the water level raised in her trailer, they just put down more newspaper. Wow. And uh, and of course, structurally, um, this particular trailer structurally was condemned. Yeah. Uh, because of that, uh, but the uh, person was still living in it yeah. with her dog. Yeah. Um, the hoarding situation uh, is uh, can be very, very dangerous. And uh, from a real estate point of view, um, we've um, we've been called out by real estate agents uh, to look at, to see how uh, safe it is for uh, prospective um, viewers to come into the house oh, afterwards. Yeah. I mean, and and for our listeners, I, I've been to houses before where. The instructions of the agent are: you got to put on a uh, mask. You know, you can't. Uh, uh, and and you there's know. there's a there's a risk factor to that. I don't um, think they should. Yeah. Well, I, it's also, a liability factor. Honestly, they yeah. could be deemed the. Uh, Dave was explaining to me at one point they could be deemed under the law an employer now bringing people in. Oh wow! Without the Good proper thought. equipment, like yeah. we're trained. Yeah. Of uh, someone buying a house isn't trained. Yeah. No, and, and you know this one in particular. I'm thinking of was mold. It was a mold issue, but it's still it's all you know uh, hazardous. The uh, in one particular case here in Victoria, a real estate agent was deemed the employer, ah. and uh, had exposed the uh, prospective Worker. purchasers oh, okay. uh, to uh, contaminants, yeah. and uh, there were not good results from that particular. I would think not. There's so much to know. Goodness. Well, listen, if a listener needs to look you guys up, uh, the website again, John? bchazmat.com. And phone number? Uh, 250-382-65. Nope. Nope. 250-656. 656. I mixed it up. 3382. Okay, let's do do that again. Okay, so the phone number is? 250-656-3382. That's great. So much to know, and, I mean, you, you guys are clearly busy, and uh, I, I, it's one of those things. It's a reminder about the importance of making sure that people not only take care of themselves, they keep, take care of their surrounding environment as well, too. I think that we're in a much better time now because we're, 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 we're doing much better in that respect, but it is just amazing hearing your stories about the way people used to do things. Uh, thanks for coming, Dave. Thank you very much, Thanks Tony. for coming, John. And thanks to the listeners. Uh, Thanks for joining us again. I'll be here for you guys this time next week.